One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to the Insomnia Project. Sit back, relax, and listen as we have a conversation about the mundane one thing that we can promise is that our conversation will be less than fascinating so that you can just drift off. Thank you for joining us. We hope you will listen and sleep. I'm your host, Marco Timpano. Feel free to rate us on iTunes. And joining me on this episode is Amanda Barker. Hi, thanks for having me. Amanda, I wanted to talk to you about books. And in particular, I wanted to talk about getting a new book and cracking that spine or thumbing through a book that's been well-worn, which is your preference? Uh, I think both has equal pleasure for me. Okay. So, uh, but there is something really lovely about that first crack of a new book and uh, knowing that you'll be able to relax as you read it and there's this promise of both relaxation and adventure almost as you have a chance to just sit back and enjoy the journey of the characters. Now, when you read your books, is there a type of book you like to read at a certain place? For example, when you're on the beach, do you read books or magazines? If I'm reading, then I'm relaxed. So whether it is at home with a cup of tea on the couch, outside on my deck... Uh, lounging on a chair at the beach on a plane for me reading a book is to relax I see so um, let's say on the plane do you prefer to read books or magazines magazines for the plane I see any type of magazines and do you have subscriptions I have many many subscriptions to magazines do you want me to list them? No, you don't have to list the magazines, but what type of subscriptions do you generally have? I have two subscriptions to style magazines, interior design or um, house, home type of magazines. Mm-hmm. I have two subscriptions to Canadian women magazines. Okay. Um, I have another subscription to an organizing uh, magazine that focuses on simplicity. Okay. Let me think. I have another subscription to Canadian Theater Magazine. Oh, I see. Mm-hmm. Those are the ones that readily come to mind. That's quite you, a bit. When you read a magazine, do you flip through all the pages first and then go back and read, or do you read a page at a time and not go forward? Well, the thing about me is that I was raised in a 
left-handed family. I was the only right-handed person in the left-handed family. And so both my sister and mother, when they would read a magazine, would start in the back. They said it was a left-handed thing. I don't know if that's true, but um, I often will start at the back of the magazine as well. Mm -hmm. Depending on the magazine. Um, I have quite an affinity, in fact, for magazines. When I lived in South Korea when I was 21 and 22, uh, reading material that was in English was scarce and very coveted by the English teachers that I lived and worked with. So if somebody was to get a magazine, uh, even an in-flight magazine from a trip, then it was sure that every one of us would have a chance to read it and really indulge in it. I also had a roommate at the time who had just graduated from Ryerson University and she had a degree in journalism with a specialty in magazines. So she knew all the editors by name and could tell you about their style and their trademarks and hallmarks and all of that. So for me, I really started to enjoy the differences between each magazine and that's where my appreciation grew. I see. One of the things that drives me a little crazy with magazines are those little cards that you find in the magazines that are for subscriptions to that same magazine. They're called blow cards, in fact. Oh. The reason they're called blow cards is because they use a machine to blow them into the pages. Well, I'm not a fan. No, me neither. In fact, there's nothing I hate more than taking a bath and then getting out of the tub and there's sort of these soggy, wet subscription cards on the floor by my bed. There will also be a collection of those that sort of start to fall onto the floor. You know what's interesting is I tend to lose bookmarks. I have a ton of bookmarks, Mm -hmm. and for some reason I can never find them when I'm reading a book. Mm -hmm. And um, I love bookmarks, but for some reason they they seem to disappear on me. Well, there's I can tell you where they are in this house. There's about five to ten of them. Upstairs. There you go. So what about you and bookmarks? Um, I'm much the same, although I've recently cleaned and purged all of our books. So we have a lot of uh, books in my house. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I was able to clean out and store some of those bookmarks. And I have some with Frida Kahlo's face on them that I bought as gifts for people some of which I gave out, gave out, some of which I kept. I see. That was after a, a trip to Mexico City a few years ago. So uh, those tend to be my go-tos. But I'll use a blow card as a bookmark or an envelope Right. was my bookmark for my last book. I see. And um, what is the first book you remember reading? Is there a book oh. that you remember reading as a child and like that was your first book? Yes, in terms of novels. The first book I really remember reading and being excited about was a Choose Your Own Adventure book. Love those books for our readers who aren't familiar with Choose Your Own Adventures. They were books that you would get to a certain page and it would give you an option. So if you wanted the character to, say, go down the tunnel, you would turn to page 72. But if you wanted that same character to hop on the flight to Japan, you would turn to page... 11. Well, and I remember it was written in first person. Okay. So it would say, do you want to do this or do you want to do that? And, uh, man, I, I loved that book. I remember picking it up and bringing it home. It was in the summer and just sitting on the back porch and just devouring that book. I loved it so much. Do you remember the name of the book? Hmm. I remember it was about Stonehenge. Oh. 
Yeah, which is interesting because I finally went to Stonehenge last year for the first time. But yeah, it was I think it was called The Legend of Stonehenge or something about Stonehenge anyway. Okay. What yeah. was it like when you went to Stonehenge? Uh, it was gray and a little bit cold, even though it was in June. Mm-hmm. Very, very green and very filled with tourists. Was it what you expected or was it not... Uh it was exactly as I expected, okay. yeah. It's sort of these massive formations in the middle of a field. I think the thing I didn't really consider was the energy that you could sense being in the presence of those rocks. It's it's clear that energetically they were very special. I see. Um, you can no longer go up to them, I heard. At one point you could actually... Mm. I think that's a good thing. Yeah. Yeah, no, you can't touch them. I think that's a good thing. Sure. Yeah. Now, I love libraries. Hmm. I'm a big fan of my local library. I love going online and picking books and having them delivered to my library. I have to say that the Toronto Library is a system is fantastic. Yeah, I would also agree with that. What are your thoughts about libraries? I also love libraries. Um, I remember my first experience with my local library. It was in a beautiful, big, old building with high ceilings. And I remember the smell of the basement, which was the children's section. Mm -hmm. And it had its own entrance, so you could go through the side entrance into this magical children's section. It was air-conditioned, and it had a sort of almost of a gummy smell, like a gummy book smell. And I remember the delight I would have in flipping through those books and talking to the librarian and picking out books. It was uh, something we would do quite a bit in the summer, and I really, really did love the library at that time. I still do. I uh, spent so many hours in my university library Mm -hmm. years later, um days and days uh, upon days in my university library during exam time and finals and midterms and all those papers that I wrote there. So there's stressful associations, but ultimately I always found it was the place I could work best. I used to love walking through my university library and seeing people asleep Mm -hmm. at one of those little cubicles because they had been Mm -hmm. there all night working on a project or something. Was your library open all night? Um... I believe there was a library that was open all yeah, night. Mm-hmm. Mine wasn't. I'm trying to remember the name of it. Ralph something. Ralph Pickard Bell Library at Mount oh. Allison where I went wow. to university. Yeah. And uh, it was a round library. It was four or five floors maybe, but round. So you could, as you walked in, you looked up and you could see the circular floors. And there was always a legend that someone had hung themselves oh, from their fallen I don't know that it was true, but right. things it seems like, like a lot of libraries have that sort of sure, yeah, that sort of myth. Like in Ghostbusters, sure. the, the original Ghostbusters starts, of course, with the ghost of a librarian telling them to be quiet. I used to um, not love going to libraries because it was so quiet, and I it always kind of um, you know I was always worried that I would be loud, and I think it goes back to my grade school days when a librarian told me to hush because I was so loud. So I never felt comfortable in libraries. And then 
as of late, I love going to libraries because I consume a lot of books, in particular the audiobooks. I love listening right. to uh, books on CD or, you know, books you can download. Mm-hmm. Um, in particular, if the author is reading their own work, mm-hmm. something I really enjoy right. uh, listening to. I love listening to books that way as well, but it depends on the book. I think something autobiographical mm-hmm. is probably my preference. I'm sure. not really interested in listening to someone tell me fiction. I'm not sure why, but if it's autobiographical, then it's just like a friend talking to you through the speakers of your car or through your headset, so earphones, whatever. So. For me, large books, so books that are a big canon, I can't sit and read, so I will listen to those books, and I feel like I plow through them. Mm-hmm. I remember Bill Clinton's book was so big when you would hold the book in your in your hand, and I thought to myself, I'll never read this, but then I mm-hmm. I found it at, at the library on an audiobook, and I listened to it, and I thought it was... A very interesting read. Mm-hmm. And I like to, um, I love listening to biographies as well, in particular biographies of people whom I'm not a big fan of. Right. So I would, you know, one that I would never sit and read, I will actually listen to them read their own biography and find out if there's a reason that I'm not a big fan of theirs or if there's something that changes my opinion about them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, the one that stands out for me, there's two that stand out for me actually. Okay. I really enjoyed listening to Jane Fonda's book. Uh, she's had such a rich life right. and such a vivid memory of her life from, you know, her being a child of a famous actor um, who was also very political to her own political dealings in, um, you know, in the 1960s with, with Vietnam and so on. And sitting on that tank. Sure. And then to her you know, love affair with Ted Turner, which was equally fascinating. Did she read her own book? She did. Yeah. And the other book? Uh, The other book was, um, I'm drawing a blank at the name, but it was the woman who played Marsha on the Brady Bunch. Oh, Maureen. Maureen. um, Oh my goodness. Maureen. Maureen Maureen anyway. Maureen. Uh, We'll, we'll figure out the name. I bet Nitty would know if she was here. She'd be like Maureen. The only name that's coming to me is Maureen Stapleton, but I know that was No, that's her. not it. Uh, uh, but you read her audiobook? I or, did, or yeah. Read, I she had say. quite um, quite an unexpected cocaine habit. Oh. They would call her the Hoover because she inhaled so much cocaine. So that whole, you know, that, that sheds a very different light on a show that I loved and watched throughout my childhood and early teens. So, um no, I'm still drawing a blank on the Maureen name. McCormick. Ah, oh, there it is. There you go. Not yeah. Maureen Stapleton. No. Or Maureen Welch, who's a friend of mine. I don't know too many people named Maureen. Maureen was a very common name where I grew up in Massachusetts because it's obviously a very Irish name. And uh, and it's an accessible Irish name as opposed to Aoife or Enya or any of the other sort of hard to pronounce or hard to read names so there were a lot of uh, a lot of Moiras and a lot of Maureens. Now do you know what the name Maureen means? I will say trustworthy. It is a in, it's a Celtic baby name so of you were course. right on that. It's on an, the... I don't think it's just for babies I think anyone no. could be named <laughs> Maureen. Enough. 
And I believe it is... Bitter. Oh, goodness. It means bitter. Why would you name your child in bitter? La- in Latin, it means dark. But it's an Irish name. Well, that's what it says here. Well, if I have a baby, I will not be naming it bitter. Well, there you go. Or dark. Or Maureen, it Or Maureen. There you go. <laughs> that's not to disparage our listeners whose name is All the Maureen. Maureen's out there who yeah. may or may not be bitter. Speaking of bitter, do you enjoy bitter things? No. You don't see I love bitter things. No. That's why you're not a fan of Campari. No. And I'll often I think I'm a super taster. I think that's why. What, oh, what's a super taster? It's a person that has more um, taste buds on their tongue than the average person. Uh, grapefruit, I shudder at the thought of grapefruit. Oh, really? Yeah. What about bitter leaves? I can do a bitter green. Okay. Uh, like a dandelion or Swiss chard, maybe. It can be a bit bitter. Um, I have some beet greens in the fridge right now. Those will probably be bitter when I cook them up. But, oh. I, you know, they're, they're tempered with, if you saute them with some salt and olive oil and garlic, I feel like anything is good with salt and olive oil and garlic. So, um, bitter greens are as bitter as I get, I think. I see. See, I love bitter things. I love a good grapefruit. And yet you're not into bitter greens so much. No, I'm not, actually. Mm-hmm. Um... So maybe it's a different type of bitter. Maybe. I wonder if there are categories of bitter. Likely. Like there's categories of heat or spice. Sure. You have something very spicy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I forget the name of the the scale. I think it's like the... Oh, the spice scale? Yeah, it's kind of like the Kofor scale of, of, you know, like a ghost pepper is really high on that sure, scale. Sure, yeah. Um, where, where, let's say... A, a red pepper isn't... I don't know if it's just for peppers. It might be just a, a sort of scale of heat for mm-hmm. peppers. Mm-hmm. I was talking to a friend last night who said she didn't like... She likes hot pepper, but she doesn't like jalapeno. And it didn't really occur to me that jalapeno is its own unique flavor in the world of peppers. You know, very different from like a chipotle or adobo or something along those lines. Right, right. It's the Scoville scale. Hmm. And it's a measurement of uh, spicy Scoville. It looks like it? someone's last name was Scoville. Scoville. And it, Wilbur Scoville. Good old Wilbur Scoville. What What are you learning about him? Well, I'm just learning that it is a scale of spicy uh, spiciness or pungency, it says. He was a pharmacist, it looks like. Well, there you go. Do you know anyone named Wilbur? Speaking of names. No, there's a theater called the Wilbur Theater in Boston where I performed quite a few times in the last few years um that's as close to wilbur as i get it's the name of the pig in charlotte's web that's right that's right wilbur yeah wilbur the pig i don't know wilbur wilbur yeah it's funny funny when you think about names different names ones that are sort of in fashion and ones that fall out of fashion and ones that are popular for the year they often do like the top five baby names um, or top ten baby names of the year. I wonder what they are. Should I look them up? No, you can feel free feel free to look them up. But um, I know it's it's interesting with a name like mine, for example, which is an ethnic name. Oftentimes, people won't recognize the name when I say it at first. So, for example, if I order a drink at Starbucks, mm-hmm. I'll say Marco, but they'll write on the paper cup Markle, like Sparkle, with an 
Oh really? L E, yeah, dull right marble. Or are they just doing that on purpose? Which is I you would you would Which is the lore. No, because it's different Starbucks I go to and they'll I'll get the cup and they'll say Markle on it. Perhaps mm. it's the way I'm saying my name. There's an actress named Megan Markle who's mm-hmm. Canadian, so perhaps people are thinking of her. Well, since she's not ordering the drink and I am, I doubt I doubt they would write a random Canadian actress on the But maybe it's just floating in their consciousness. Maybe. Okay, well, here's our list from last year. Um, in no particular order, do you want to hear girls or boys? Sure. Start with girls. Uh, so, starting at 10, Harper. So that's a nice name, reminiscent of Harper Lee. Charlotte. Of course, there's uh, Princess Charlotte. Right. There's also a spider from Charlotte's Web named Charlotte. Yes, we just can't get out of Charlotte's Web tonight, which yeah. was one of the first books I remember very vividly reading Charlotte's Web in grade three. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Mrs. Huff's class. What do you remember? Uh, I remember crying. Oh. Yeah. It's a spoiler alert. Well, this is another episode. We had an episode where we had a lot of spoiler alerts. Well, maybe I won't spoil it, but one of the main characters dies, and oh, it's very sad. Sad. Um, anyway, so that's Charlotte. I, I don't of. I don't know any Charlottes either. What's you the don't? what's the short form for Charlotte? Charlie. A lot of little girls named Charlie happening right now. Oh, and so their their full name is Charlotte. Yeah. I didn't know that. Uh, then eight is Emily. Mm-hmm. Pretty classic name. Seven Abigail, which was the name my brother was going to have if he was a girl. But I see. He's not. Mia, six. That's my niece's name. It is indeed. Number five, Isabella. Oh, I hear a lot of babies named Isabella. Yeah, me too. But a lot of Bellas, mm-hmm. especially in the uh, Italian, Portuguese community, Spanish sure. community. Ava is number four. That one's been strong for a while. Sophia, number three. Olivia, number two. And then Emma, number one. Oh, Emma's number one. Yeah, that one became really popular uh, when about ten years ago when Ross and Rachel named their baby Emma on Friends. Oh, yeah. it's amazing how that happens. Something very popular will be... Um, on television and then people name for example the name Tabitha I was told was not a name they had it on Bewitched oh, and so really? it wasn't until after I could be wrong that's interesting like Wendy Wendy was not a name yeah until Peter Pan I remember that so I think um, you won't find a Tabitha older than maybe 45 or 50 years old because the the series Bewitched came out, I guess, in the 60s. Right. So anything prior. Now, don't quote me on this. I could be wrong. So what are the boys' names? Uh, for boys' names, starting with 10, we have Benjamin, Michael, Alexander, James, Ethan, William, Jacob, Mason. Mason. Mason can be a girl's name as well. I know, I know a little we girl know. named Mason. Right. Liam and Noah. Noah is the number one. Yeah. Wow. Noah. Very biblical name there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. None of those really stand out for me. But um, I noticed Daniel is number 12 on the list, alongside Madison and uh, Amelia for girls. Madison is another one of those names that was not a name prior, That's right, to, prior to the movie Splash. Splash. Yeah. yeah. When um, the character, who is the mermaid, doesn't have a name, and Tom Hanks asks her what her name is. And I think she points at the sign on Madison Avenue. No, what happens is um, she he's listing off names right. um, for her, girls' names that were popular at the time, which would have been 1981, 1982. 
maybe, 1983, whenever that movie came out. And uh, he's listing off these names. And uh, and then he says, in the middle of this rant, she's saying no to all of them. And then in the middle of the rant, he looks up at the sign and said, what street are we on? Oh, Madison. Anyway, and then he starts, and she said, what's that name you just said? And he repeats it, and, he, and she says, no, the other one. He went, what, Madison? Well, Madison's not a name. And then she gets really sad. And he said, fine, fine, we'll name you Madison. Which is funny now because obviously it's a very, very popular girl's name. This Flash came out in 1984, and I believe they're going to be making a remake of that film. Mm, I hope it's good. Yeah. Maybe they'll swap the genders. And have a male mermaid? Sure, um, yeah. A merman, I Why think. Why not? Yeah. Sure. Why not? A these merman. Myth- these mythical, mythical creatures. Mm-hmm. Like the Minotaur and unicorns and. I don't remember a movie in the 80s with a minotaur in it. Didn't Labyrinth have a minotaur? It may have. I, I watched Labyrinth one time. It didn't stick with me the way it stuck with most people. Labyrinth. Oh, I, I'm getting it mixed up with The NeverEnding Story. Those two I always get mixed up. Well, there's myth- mythical beasts in that as well. Right. The one, out of all of those, the one that really stuck with me was The Dark Crystal. The Jim Henson movie. Right. I saw it on my seventh birthday. Wow. Mm-hmm. Was it a whole gaggle of kids that no, went to go see it? No, it was just me and my mom. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, it was just a special day. I just wanted a special day with me and my mom. Mm-hmm. Even back then, I kind of enjoyed just a quiet, private birthday. Now, are you a popcorn eater at the movie? I am. Terribly so. The only thing that will cure my popcorn addiction is if I have a really nice iced coffee of some kind that seems to cure me of because it's so different than popcorn mm-hmm. you know smell wise texturally and so on so if i'm sitting drinking a really good latte of some kind then i won't want the popcorn that's the only way to do it for me iced or can it be not depending iced? on the season i see when i saw the quentin tarantino movie um i'm trying to think of what that was called kill bill inglorious bastards uh, the one that came out this year Last January and last December, can't think of it, but it's oh, a it's a very um, cold movie. Yeah, the movie, the, the western one. Right? Yeah, yeah, very, very, very cold movie. So I needed a lot of hot lattes to get me through that movie. You feel cold in the theater just watching it because everyone is so cold. There's no, they're just in this cold, cold little winter cabin for the whole movie. Can't think of the name of it. Hateful Eight. That's it. That's it. Yeah. It's funny how you can't remember something when you try to, and then when your brain switches to another channel, somehow you have that access to that information. It's funny. Every time we record a podcast, things will come come to me, and I can't remember the name, and mm-hmm. I'm always like, it'll come, because I know as the podcast continues, mm-hmm. it'll often come to me, or Nitty will sort of signal to me, or she'll remember as we're going along. It's one of those things, I think, when you're on the spot, mm-hmm. and you're so focused, it'll often be something that... Mm-hmm. That slips the mind, if you will. Mm-hmm. Well, speaking of slipping the mind, we've come to the end of our podcast. I want to thank Amanda Barker. Amanda, where can people find you on Twitter? You can find me on Twitter at Amanda is a riot. I haven't um, updated my own Twitter in quite a while because I can't remember the password. Okay. But that's on my list of things to do this week. So please do tweet me at, at Amanda is a riot. You'll find me there. Well, thank you so much for being a guest on our podcast. Oftentimes, I will ask Amanda 
to join me, especially when a uh, guest isn't able to make or make a recording. Amanda always fills in. Something. I'm on the bench always. There you go. <laughs> We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Insomnia Project. It was recorded in Toronto, Canada, and always produced by Drumcast Productions. We hope you did listen and sleep.